Go ahead and pick your speed up your number one now. Runway 27, clear to land green dot. Welcome to Oshkosh, guys. Hello, and welcome to the Green Dot, EAA's podcast for anyone and everyone who loves aviation. The Green Dot, sponsored by GE Aviation. My name's Hal Bryan, and I'm one of the hosts of The Green Dot. I'm EAA's uh, senior editor for print and digital content and publications, and I'm joined by uh, two two friends and colleagues today. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of uh, pretty interesting and exciting new EAA programs. Uh, first, it's Rick Larson. Our uh, everybody, uh, everybody, sit down, fasten your seatbelts for his job title. He's vice president of programs, chapters, education, museum, and air venture features and attractions. And that's all the time we have. <laughs> <laughs> Rick, welcome. Hey, thanks, Al. Really glad to have you here. Also, uh, also returning uh, is the uh, the ever popular Ken Stermiska. Ken is vice president of philanthropy and donor stewardship for our EAA Aviation Foundation. Ken, really glad to have you back. Thank you, Hal. All right, so we've got a couple of uh, of distinct, but uh, I think philosophically related. EAA programs to talk about. So, Rick, let's uh, let's start with you, and we'll talk with uh, talk us through uh, the program that we are calling Aero Educate. Give me the the kind of high level overview of what that's all about. All right. Well, let's let's do it from you know kind of that thirty thousand foot view first. Um, yeah, I think uh, we've all we've all seen the success of, of young Eagles over the years. Um, you know, when you look at, you know, what is now a consistent 50 or 60,000 kids a year that we fly. Um, I think we've all looked at it over the years and said, so what's next? Um, how do we keep these kids engaged? How do we keep them motivated? Um, how do we keep them inspired? Um, we know that, you know, there's an awful lot of alternatives for kids um, to get involved in and, and to express their interests in. Um, but how do we keep it, you know, if we've lit a spark, how do we keep that going? And, and that was really, I think, the, uh, the genesis of, of Aero Educate when we first started talking about it. You know, it was, it was really how do, we, how do we help that youth along that aviation journey? How do we keep them inspired? How do we keep them motivated? Um, how do we um, uh, not only keep them interested, but also get their parents involved so that they support that journey? And it's really about the journey. So when you, when you look at, at Aero Educate, what it is, it's a web-based platform. It's got a number of different elements to it, um, but it's really targeting youth, parents, uh, there's an element in there for chapter leaders. There's an element in there for formal educators. We'll get into some of that detail, I think, in a, in a, in a few minutes. But it's really designed to help pull a child um, through or a youth through that aviation journey. And, and ultimately what we want is we would love to see um, kids come out the other side of that um, with a deep, strong interest in aviation, and one that potentially leads down a career path. Um, and, and that's kind of where we're headed with the program overall at this point. So is it, uh, would you describe it as we have the, the Young Eagles flight plan? And that was, uh, um, you know, certainly in the 10 years I've been here, that was uh, one of the first big steps I think that I saw to say, there's that internal question we're always asking. Okay, you've had your Young Eagles flight. Now what? Now what? Yep. Um, so the the flight plan with the, the Sporties Ground School course and some of the other offerings and stuff is is uh, is Aero Educate building on and sort of beefing that up. It really builds on that. 
Um, and and it, it, it kind of, overall, it, it, it begins to encompass a program like that as well. Um, you know, those are what we've been able to do with sporties, what we've been able to do with, um, you know, providing the opportunity for kids to earn that first flight lesson. Uh, all those are really important. The flight plan is a very important element. It's not going away. It, it will stay in place, um, tied directly to um, the Young Eagles flight itself. Um, I think Aero Educate in its, um, in its concept is, is a bit broader than that. And, and so the existing programs that we have that are youth-oriented, you can almost say will fit inside this Aero Educate platform or this concept that we're developing. Hal, I, I think, thanks, Rick. I, I think the other thing that, that we're trying to solve for is that all these elements have been in existence, but how do we be more proactive in guiding that experience? Yep. Uh, you know, it's often been said that pilots beget pilots, but if you didn't have a family member who helps, sh you know, share with you, here's what you can do. You can start building models. You can uh, do RC. Um, and then you, when you're 16-ish, uh, you can start taking lessons. Uh, but if nobody's there to help guide you down that path, uh, how do you know how to get to becoming a pilot? And that's what Aero Educate starts to solve for is uh, it's an interactive, uh, uh, an iterative uh, platform. So, uh, Hal, you have an experience, uh, the Aero Educate platform then will suggest additional activities that you can do and then I think the other, Rick, the other thing that we should talk about, too, is there's a, there's a badging component to this so that when you have that experience, uh, you can record it, and then you can start working towards uh, uh, specific badges. You know, the, uh, I, I think you made a really interesting point, Ken, talking about the, the guidance and sort of mentoring piece of this. It's, uh, it, it's very easy to say to look at the whole world of aviation and say, you know, the opportunities are are essentially limitless and however you want to participate uh you know if you're if you're a pilot there's all manner of different aircraft to fly and experiences to have uh, if you're looking to be involved in other ways there's you know there's maintenance and design and dispatch and air traffic control and things like this so it's really easy to uh, to look at a kid who who says you know well what can i do in aviation and an adult can just say well anything you want the opportunities are limitless and then you exactly. turn your back and walk away and the kid says okay great but can you give me a hint yeah so so one of the we're working with a number of, of potential industry partners on aero educate and one of the words that has come up and we've begun to use it over and over and over is demystifying how do we make aviation appear to be more attainable more accessible for these kids rather than them looking at um, a potential career in aviation and saying, boy, that's really cool, but I could never get there because I don't know how. My parents don't understand it. Um, what Aero Educate is really all about is how do we solve for that? How do we start to provide meaningful pathways and putting that in front of the kids and their parents so that they can actually see how you can get from point A to point B and that you can actually go do that? Um, I think it's also opening the door wider from an aviation standpoint. Um, you know, parents um, that are not aviation-oriented um, and kids that are not coming from that aviation-oriented family, they may look at aviation and go, well, I know there's pilots, there's air traffic controllers, and there's mechanics. Um, but there's a much broader aspect of aviation that's, that's out there. Um, that allows you to pursue almost any particular interest that you might have and do it inside the aviation industry. Well, how do we open that door? 
Um, and that's really part of what um, I, you know, I think AeroEducate is, again, trying to trying to address. And, and, I, th- and I think, too, that, that uh, as a leadership organization in the industry, uh, EAA has really positioned itself to um, uh, be, the, be the, the leader in, in, uh, uh, in the database and all the kids. Uh, as Rick said earlier, we've got about 50 to 60 kids, uh, 50 to 60,000 kids each year that uh, participate in the Young Eagles program. Uh, so our database, we're going to track and we're going to promote experiences. So after you know five or six years, we probably are going to have 300, 400,000 kids that we are, kids and parents, communicating with them on, we haven't heard from you for a while, you know, go to this museum or this event is going on within a 25-mile radius of your, uh, of your home. And that's where we hope to, uh, to really be able to move the industry and and uh, bring kids and families, uh, if people are familiar with sales, it's bringing them through a sales funnel and saying, here's where you start, but here's where you can end up. That's right. Well, and I think, you know, you mentioned sales, and I, uh, um, I've, I've said this many times, particularly to sort of newer coworkers um, that, that come to work at EA and are, are starting to understand our culture and, and what our world is really all about. And, you know, something I will say to people frequently is that, you know, we're not working at, uh, you know, Joe's Laundry Soap Company trying to convince people that our laundry soap is better than, than everybody else's. We have a very, very different uh, uh, sales need, uh, for want of a better term, in that, number one, people come to us because they, they, they have some love for what we're all about. And, you know, we, we share this love of aviation. And we're not so much trying to uh, trying to sell them on something as as though I respect your use of the term, Ken, um, as we are trying to just show them, look, you can you can do this. And uh, um, it's not uh, I don't want to say that it's an easy job, but it's a very different job than just trying to say our soap is better than, you know, than the leading brand, uh, which is great. And that puts us in a wonderful position because we're starting from uh, a place of sort of mutual agreement with our members that somewhere out there, somewhere we all have a basic shared love of aviation, even though uh, the the three of us have joked that our uh, our styles of, of flying and the types of flying we're interested in are, are a little different, right, Ken? That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> some of us love to land on grass, Rick, and yes. uh, and uh, and some of us prefer a good hard surface. That's yeah, <laughs> but it's uh, you know we're all under the same under the same tent. So um, so the idea of uh, uh, providing a pathway to people who are um, on some, I think on some visceral level, you know, we're all already sold, but how do we, how do we then take them those, uh, along those next steps? It's really showing them what's possible. And, and it, you know, what you were just describing, if you step back and you think about that as an adult, that's one thing you think about it as a, a youth. Um, you know, there's really two levels there. One is, can we inspire that youth and and encourage them to move down that path from an aviation you know journey standpoint. Um, but for most kids, they can't do that if their parents are not supporting it. Right. And so when we we talk about selling it, um, it's it's as much to the parent as it is to the youth. If we light that spark over here, it's getting the parent to say, God, that's a worthwhile interest. Look where this can lead. And so if you look at the main components that, that make up um, 
Aero Educate as we're developing this, you know, you do have the badging system that, that Ken mentioned, um, which we think is really important because in the end, um, not only is it a way to encourage and inspire and keep that engagement going, um, it will mean something coming out the other side to a university or to industry that it's a deeply rooted interest and here's the things that have been accomplished along the way. Um, you know, I, I think, Ken, you alluded to a database of activities. Um, today, there's no single place that you can really go and access um, a database of all the aviation youth activities that really go on out there. Um, not just EAA activities, but you know, that can be aviation museums, it can be youth build projects, it can be summer camps, it can be day camps. All these things exist out there. There's no single database. We see that inside of AeroEducate because now we can be proactive. That youth takes a, a flight, you know, from a particular airport. Um, that parent, that child has no idea that there's a summer camp going on 10 miles away at, at another airport or another location. We can be proactive pushing that out. The other piece that, that we've not talked about is how do we reach kids um, that we're not currently reaching through the Young Eagles program? And one of the ways that we think we can do that is in the classroom. And so what we're developing, we're working with, uh, with North Carolina State, with Embry-Riddle, um, is a series of activities that are aviation-infused activities that teachers will be able to pull off the shelf and utilize in their classroom. The idea is to spark the interest. You know, use, use aviation from a STEM standpoint. Um, use aviation because there is a magic about it um, to help kids learn and inspire. And along the way, if what that's done, because it's got an aviation orientation to it, is caused the kid to go, God, I never really thought about this before. That's really cool. Um, I, I like this. Um, that's what we're, we're trying to do. So you take those elements and then you, you add in what we're already doing from a scholarship standpoint and what we intend to do more of, um, and you start to paint a picture of truly career pathways um, inside of AeroEducate. So you can look at all the different ways that you can potentially participate from a career standpoint and start to show how you get from point A to point B. You know, those are, are the basically the the elements of of Aero Educate as we're building it out. A couple of more uh, practical questions. So, number one is this: uh, is this a program that that uh, that we're going to be charging kids and their parents to go through? No, um, we don't see uh, we don't see that at all. I mean, what what we want here is a program that has as as little barriers to it as you can create. Uh, we want to make it easy. Uh, we want as many kids to kind of reach out and say, boy, this is something I might be interested in. If we can help pull them along, that's great. If they look at it and go, ah, it's not for me, that's okay too. Uh, but we want to make it easy. And I think, hell, I, I guess I thought that was just an opening for me to, to say, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, so why is Ken at the table? Um, we are going to use uh, a, a philanthropic support to uh, uh, develop the, the, the program and, and sustain it. And uh, I, I think, uh, and, I, and I know the EAA leadership uh, thinks that this is going to be an attractive program uh, for people to want to get behind and to fund. And uh, um, so that's what we are. We are in the process of, of uh, raising about $600,000 to um, uh, stand the program up and then uh, to, to run it. And then there'll be a commitment, um, you know, each year to uh, uh, 
to operate the program. And um, uh, again, we think from what we've seen from our membership, and because uh, people who love aviation, uh, they love aviation. And and Hal, I think you said we'd love to share it with others. We want to bring other people into our community, and uh, and this is an active way that people will be able to help us uh, continue to build our community and build it for the next generations. That is uh, that's really exciting. Um, you know, when you look at this sort of uh, holistically, as AeroEducate becomes the blanket that introduces a lot of exciting new stuff and also fills in the gaps um you know obviously we've had young eagles for years we recently celebrated 2.2 million uh kids flown which is just staggering 50 to 60,000 steadily every single year uh i think is something we're all justifiably very proud of very happy about uh with that and then the recent introduction of the ray aviation scholars program uh giving you know the 1.2 million dollars and and we're seeing every week um we helped administer this money and here's a new pilot here's another new pilot here's another new pilot and there's something there's something very powerful and very profound about that that we've got uh, okay we've got your first flight covered uh we're making great progress on the sort of practical tangible chain training and check ride with obviously a much smaller group but uh, aero educate just feels like it's going to just expand and cover and connect and and fill all that in put it under one big umbrella and Hal, this has been the proverbial uh, pulling back the onion, peeling the onion. <laughs> yes, I, I of mean, course. We we've been working at this now for eighteen, yep. twenty months, yep. and and you 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 start down this path, and and you start to solve for something, um, and then uh, you pull back the the layer, and then there's another issue, and and as Rick was just talking about with the with the educators, uh, you know the the issue was right. If you, again, if 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 you don't have a parent who's introduced you to aviation, who are who could be another influencer? Well, of course, that's the uh, the the school teacher. So we had to uh, do something in that area. Um, and uh, um, again, it's just as we keep going along, it's going to keep on developing. But uh, um, you know, Rick and his team are just doing a great job of conceiving all the ways that we can provide support. You used a word, Hal, uh, a couple of seconds ago: connect. And, and that's really, I think, the thing that um, gets us all jazzed up is, you know, you go look at what EA has been able to do with a number of different programs uh, that are youth-oriented, um, and they're all good. They, they all are accomplishing things. Where the, the real power of this thing comes is it connects all this together. And, and so AeroEducate becomes, you know, that platform you know, that connects all this together. So if you're a, you know, a, a, you know, a fourth grade kid and, and all of a sudden your teacher has, you know, done an aviation oriented activity because it came out of AeroEducate and has encouraged me to, you know, hey, you should sign up for this AeroEducate thing. What that's going to do is then encourage, we're going to be able to encourage that child, go take a Young Eagles flight, see what it's really all about. Um, our ability now to go pull all this together, I think, is is greatly enhanced. You know, with a program like Aero Educate, I think the other thing that's really cool is is the more that we've talked about this, and the more that we've got this out in front of industry. Um, number one, it's it's validated the concept because they can see it and they're they're anxious to go get behind it. Um, they can see what that end result is um, in that, you know. The industry, the industry needs a real strong funnel to, you know, help move those kids along that journey. Um, if we're going to have future engineers and, and mechanics and so on, 
Uh, and we believe Aero Educate can do that, and we're seeing that in a response from industry. When we sit down and we talk about this as a concept, um, uh, just very positive response. And every time we do that, the idea builds, um, which is, is, is really a cool thing to watch. So you're peeling back the layers of the onion, but the onion is expanding. Yes, it is. <laughs> exactly. There is no middle to the onion. Yeah. I, yeah. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Rick, very quickly before we, sort of, we, we switch gears a little bit, um, what would be the – what's our target sort of starting age? Are we talking young eagles age, age eight and up, or uh, will there be opportunities for even younger kids potentially? I think when you, when you look at the uh, – uh, the educational activities that we're going to go push out to uh, and make available to teachers will start at the kindergarten level. Okay. Um, you know, so we've we've kind of divided those into four strata that carry those age groups all the way through high school. Um, but the uh, the actual activities that are are going to be developed or in development um, will be targeted into four age groups. But it'll start with kindergarten. And it's my understanding, too, that this badging uh, process that we've been looking at, there is some, uh, there's some academic integrity behind that. There's some, I think the term Ron, uh, our museum uh, director, always uses academic rigor. rigor. Uh, so do you foresee a time, um, and perhaps this is just a, a loaded, sort of loaded softball question, but do you foresee a time where uh, uh, a, a kid, a kindergarten age kid is going to, through his school, his or her school being to be able to get some aviation programming through Aero Educate, follow it through when they're old enough, get their Young Eagles flight. Maybe they go on to get a race scholarship, get some mentoring, get their certificates, proceed all the way through and come out the other end of Aero Educate with a job. Absolutely, I, th- I think that's the uh, I think that's the uh, the ultimate goal with this. And 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 again, I'll go back to the industry thing. You know, as we've as we've talked to to different companies about this. Um, What's been, I think, really encouraging with this is not only they just support the basic concept. What they're what they're really supporting is they realize that if they're going to go fill a pilot slot ten years from now or fifteen years from now, and there's going to be that need to do that, or a mechanic, or whatever it might be, that means we need to start when 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 someone is seven or eight years old, begin planting that seed, beginning to. Um, show what's possible um, and what's attainable. And, and they're buying into that. They see that and they know that that's a critical part of this. Um, if we are not creating those exposures, if we're not um, giving those kids that opportunity to uh, pursue an interest, um, then it potentially shuts off. They go a different direction. Uh, but we're seeing that reaction as we, as we sit down and talk to industry is, yeah, they're buying into that there's value in having that discussion now and planting that seed when someone is 10 or 11 or 12 years old. And it's that middle school that probably is is the richest target, we think, is that age group is where you can really cement some relationships. They look at it and go, boy, we need to start there. Because if we don't, we're missing opportunities. Right. And flying is one of those things that uh, is – it's not like you sort of get out of college with a, a business degree and you, you head downtown and pass your resumes around and said, you know, maybe I'll work in, uh, in management at this company or maybe I'll go, I'll go be an airline pilot. Right. You know, you have to, uh, uh, I mean, the, there are barriers to entry in the sense that it's, uh, it requires a, a commitment. And in, in my opinion, and, and I, I have seen people who disprove this, but in my opinion, the only way you're going to really 
get through the education and the hours and the training and the check rides and everything is if you love it. Absolutely. And uh, and it, it, people people do it without loving it, but I don't think those are happy people. Um, but I think the people who really love it need just a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of guidance along the way. And it sounds like uh, we're going to be really well suited to help provide that. I, I think that's a, a great way to uh, a great way to look at it, Hal. Excellent. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears just a little bit here, like we mentioned we were going to do. So, in addition to uh, to Aero Educate and a lot of exciting stuff that's uh, that's coming in the near future, there um, we're uh, we're doing something. Uh, we're making a, a tangible change around our headquarters campus here. So, uh, so Ken, why don't you tell us about the uh, the previously top secret Project Twenty One? Yeah, uh, thanks, Al. Uh, let's bleep that out. Kai, so. <laughs> Um, so Project 21, uh, and in the March issue of Sport Aviation, uh, there's a great article. Uh, and by Sport Aviation, you mean EIA's number one most popular member benefit, Ken? Is that the magazine you're talking about? Yes, that's what I'm talking about. Rick is giving me a thumbs up, I don't so know we'll if, agree. I don't know what anybody else could be talking about, but uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, it, it is uh, uh, Ty, uh, whoever Ty is. Um, the mysterious it, man behind the board. Yes. You've heard him on the air before. Yeah, he, he wrote a, a, a great article to introduce uh, our community to the Project 21 vision. Uh, essentially, uh, sim- and similar to Aero Educate, uh, as we're having critical conversations uh, around EAA about you know what is our role in the industry, what is our, our role to continue to grow the community of aviation, uh, it became obvious that uh, we've got a great facility here in Oshkosh. Uh, but it it, uh, uh, it it did start off as a repository for great aircraft, and that and that was the vision 40 years ago, and that was an appropriate vision. But today, uh, just just having a place for aircraft to be is not enough. It's got to become uh, more interactive, and it's got to play multiple roles. And as we started to look at our facility, uh, you could just see there was a a, a gap. Um, around education and training. And uh, so as we started understanding that gap, what we could do about it, uh, that meant that we had to uh, create an addition to our existing facility. And that's what Project 21 is. It's a 30,000 square foot addition to our uh, museum complex here at EAA. And uh, uh, it's gonna be a two floor uh, addition. Um, On the top floor is going to be uh, what we're calling a kid venture type uh, of uh, experience. Now, for those who don't uh, know kid venture, uh, kid venture has been a very uh, effective, popular way to introduce uh, youth who are from uh, you know six, seven, eight years old up to about 13, 14 uh, into some of the basics of of aircraft building and, and also understanding aerodynamics and commun- electronics communications, uh, just things that relate to the aviation industry. So uh, the upper floor of Project 21 is going to be a number of interactive uh, facilitated labs. So it's so kids and uh, parents and teachers can work hands on to make things happen. Uh, 
there's even a vision that there there will always be a build, uh, an airplane build going on in in that part of uh, uh, the Kid Venture uh, space, so that that people see that this is a this uh, you can build aircraft. Here's how you do it. Take kind of take the mystery out of it, uh, but there there's going to be separate uh, again interactive labs uh, that that going to work on. Um, Aircraft design. Uh, we've even been uh, uh, there's a wind tunnel that we're going to create, so you can you can understand uh, what type of wing shakes, wing, uh, airfoils are are more efficient. Um, so that's that's the top uh, portion of of the of the building. The lower portion is going to be a state of the art pilot proficiency center, and this fits you know extremely well with our uh, proficiency 365 initiative uh, where we want pilots to always get better at their at their uh, decision making uh, skills and also their their stick and rudder skills and uh, uh, you know how we were talking a little bit here about about flying I know that uh, uh, you know Rick flies an airplane that that uh, uh, is probably several months out of the year you can't fly because it's too cold right is it don't, you don't have heat in the cub, or Rick is a hardy individual, <laughs> so I would be uh, I'd be cautious before you accuse yeah. him of any weakness. <laughs> he's, he's what three inches taller than you, <laughs> yeah, at least. <laughs> Um, but 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 as uh, as as we know that uh, for a number of our constituents, um, you know the, the winter months, uh, you know the airplane probably doesn't get out in and it's exercised, and uh, um, so we want to have a facility where where people can come and keep their their skills strong, and uh, so that's what our, we're adding a pilot proficiency center that will be available not only during air venture but will be available all year long. And we anticipate uh, offering a number of programs throughout the year to gather uh, type clubs uh, and, and just uh, different uh, constituency groups here to Oshkosh so they can work on their piloting skills. But at the same time, then we can, t- we can leverage our other assets in our museum and we can have special programs when they're here to talk about the unique aircraft that we have. And so we think it's, we think that it could be an extremely um, uh, rich experience. So uh, help us uh, understand where on our grounds uh, this will be. It's, it's basically, it's, it'll be part of the museum complex, but it is a separate structure, or is it an, uh, an addition? It's an addition. So uh, uh, if people, it's uh, uh, the easiest to think of it, it's, it's going to be an extension of the Eagle Hangar. Uh, and it's uh, uh, because it's it's designed for uh, for youth and other activities. It's going to have a much different look. It's going to be a lot of glass, a lot of light, and uh, it, it, it's going to be an extremely attractive uh, uh, part of the facility for people to want to be in. Now, I, I remember seeing some early uh, early design sketches uh, of the the layout for Project Twenty One. We ran a couple of them, or at least one of them, in the in the magazine. Uh, one of them that I saw, though, there was uh, there was an airplane parked outside. Are we do we have as an ultimate goal uh, some level of sort of fly in and taxi up access uh, to this? I, I think the way uh, the way it's being laid out right now, yes. I mean, there'll be an opportunity if if a type club is is doing you know an event over a weekend that that you could get an airplane to the uh, to the facility. Um, it's probably not as as direct as as you know maybe we would love to see you know which is a you know a straight taxi off of the uh, 
the airport to the facility. Um, that doesn't mean that, you know, that might not be possible, you know, down the road. But can we get an airplane, you know, that flies into the airport over to the facility? Absolutely. Um, we've also got Pioneer Airport there, you know, sure. depending on the uh, the aircraft that's, type. That's grass, know. though, right? I mean, you can you can really land on that? Okay. Yes, you can. Okay. Somewhere, you can. somewhere close to 2,000 feet of lovely, green, soft, uh, Absolutely. forgiving, inviting grass. <laughs> just <laughs> just where real pilots like to fly. What did you say, Rick? That's exactly right, Hal. I'll have to, I'll have to, I'll have to try that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> just once. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's terrific. So... Uh, do we expect the Project 21 facilities, do we expect EA chapters to have a, a big involvement in, in making use of the facility? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I think we, uh, you know, if you look at that, uh, if you look at the lower level, you know, Ken mentioned type clubs. I think we see chapters. Um, we see events that, that we'll be hosting that are, um, you know, pilot proficiency oriented, refresher courses, things like that. Um, you know, we want to make the, the facility available, you know, from a learning standpoint. And, uh, and, and, and clearly it has a, a proficiency orientation to it. Um, we have a number of Redbird uh, sims that, that we, uh, we use um, essentially one week out of the year at, at AirVenture in the, the Pilot Proficiency Center. You know, those will be, uh, those LDs will be located you know, in the uh, in the lower level, um, there'll be uh, uh, classroom space and meeting space there. So I think one of the things as we've sat down with the uh, the architects um, is we've got to make the space as flexible as we can make it um, because it's it's not going to always be a group of two hundred. It's not always going to be a group of twenty five. Um, and so how do we? Uh, uh, create space that can accommodate various sizes. You know, when we look at the labs upstairs for uh, for the youth education side, you know, we're talking about multi-use labs so we can, you know, rotate activities. We can tailor activities to a school group that's coming in based on their age. Um, you know, so I think that's been, you know, as, as we've sat down and, and really started to um, get into it with you know, the architects, um, flexibility is probably the, the biggest thing that comes out of that. Do either of you foresee uh, any crossover or connection between the Project 21 facilities and our Sport Pilot Academy? Yeah, I, I mean, I think absolutely. Uh, you know, there's been, uh, uh, you know, talk about, um, you, know, you know, I mean, certainly there's a, a, a you know, ground-based activity that goes with the flight training and Sport Pilot Academy. You know, using the facilities, uh, using the sims. Um, uh, in addition to the TDs, we expect to have you know a couple full motion simulators. Uh, you know, in that lower level. So uh, those are, I think, again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with Aero Educate. How do we thread some of this together, where we're better utilizing the facilities that we have? to create a better experience for somebody. And I think you can do that with Sport Pilot Academy. I, I think, Hal, too, for those who don't get the honor and privilege of living in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, 365 days out of the year, you know, you realize that uh, uh, some days just aren't conducive to flying. Um, and and one of the things that the that this uh, facility will allow us to do is, is those days that, you know, you maybe aren't able to fly uh, in Sport Pilot Academy, or if you have a type club, um, you know, get together here. If the weather isn't conducive, 
you can still get training in. And that's sure. what we think we're, again, we're just creating more opportunities for people to, to uh, uh, use our facilities to the fullest. Well, and, and you guys, and I think our, our listeners know a little bit of my background. I mean, you won't find a bigger proponent of simulation and, uh, in training and staying proficient uh Proficient than me, so that's uh, that's pretty exciting stuff, you know. In uh, not to uh, not to spoil it or tease it, but uh, uh, Jack's column uh, in the April issue of Sport Aviation talks a bit about how Oshkosh can be a an aviation destination, sort of you know the other fifty one weeks a year, the rest of the year, and uh, it's exciting to see all this sort of start to tie together. Is our museum is already. Uh, a terrific destination and we get so many visitors during air venture but uh, uh boy if you come at a quieter time you have that luxury of going through it and now to see that we'll have uh, this whole new experience um so uh, so ken let's blow the lid off this whole operation uh give you the hard questions now um, how are we going to pay for it is it true that ea member dues will go up to ten thousand dollars a year per <laughs> member i I don't think that that's a, that's just a vicious rumor, Hal. Oh, okay. Um, but how else am that, I going to fund you, my new that, office? That you started. <laughs> yes. How else am I going to fund my new office in the penthouse of Project Twenty One? Yes. I, it's Project Twenty One Point Five. Is yeah. The, right. Right. Well, no. so um, we, we should say that the Project Twenty One uh, it's a three phase uh, 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 renovation or conceptualization of, of of the changes for for our facility. So phase one is this new addition. Uh, phase, this, this phase costs us about $5.2 million. And uh, um, we have launched a campaign for that. I'm pleased to say that we've raised over $3.6 million. Wow. Uh, so we're out of the gate uh, uh, very quickly. Um, uh, we're continuing to have conversations uh, with donors. And we're going to, again, similar to Aero Educate, uh, it seems like when you talk to me, Hal, it always comes back to money. Um, it's a it's a very it's a very grubby capitalist relationship you and I have, Ken. But that's uh, <laughs> and, I, and I will point out to the listening audience that uh, last time when I just talked about the arrow educate about the need for money, Hal did not indicate that he was going to give. So this is your second opportunity, Hal. Here's the sound to, of me writing a check right now. Okay, <laughs> and we I think we do payroll deduction as well here at EAA. Oh, I so. see. I was going to ask if you take bad checks, but uh, yeah. But, uh, we, again, this is going to create an opportunity for the entire EAA community to help us uh, uh, raise the dollars to make this work. And with all projects, and, and, and again, the, why I've always loved uh, philanthropy and fundraising is it's, it takes a community to, uh, to raise this building, to program it. Uh, you know, Rick and his team are, are uh, coming up with great ideas uh, on how to make this uh, building come alive and really make a difference, and uh, but that takes that takes funds, and uh, I, we don't have to apologize f uh, for asking for, uh, for people for their support um, because that's the way this organization has been built. Uh, if you look around the buildings, uh, there's always lists of names of all those people sure. who who've made uh, their contribution to it. And that's uh, those can be modest contributions and they can be uh, very large contributions. It doesn't matter. What matters is that you want to be a part of it and that you want to help propel uh, us in creating those opportunities to create better aviators, creating the new ge next generation of aviators and aerospace engineers. And uh, uh, so I know, Hal, that you're going to 
just ask me, like, what's the timeline for this project? <laughs> you read my mind, Ken. Ken, you can read me like a pamphlet. Yeah, thank you. So, um, uh, as I said, we're, uh, we're, we're off to a fast start in our fundraising. Uh, I think, uh, and Rick, you know, you, you're intimately involved with the uh, uh, architects and what's been going on there, but I, we want to break ground in late May, early June. Yeah, no later than that. Yeah, and uh, um, hopefully we have some uh, structures going up uh, while uh, people are here for air ventures so they can see uh, the, the physical print of, of the building. Uh, and then next year at this time in uh, uh, early March, the building should be complete. And uh, um, uh, I don't know if it'll be open to the public yet, but that's the, the tra- trajectory that we're on right now. Yeah, yeah I think as we've, uh, we've talked about it, certainly by the time we get to Air Venture 21, um, we're up and running uh, from a programming standpoint. Uh, you know, facilities complete, and uh, and uh, you know, we can really get this thing moving forward. So, uh, so Ken, all kidding aside for just a second, you know, you're, you're talking about the the support of of donors and philanthropy philanthropists. It's so meaningful to us, this organization. And and you, you said something interesting that that you know it's not something we should you know we should ever feel like we have to uh, have to apologize for. And I think it's I, I think. It's it's a flip side of what we were talking about earlier about how you know we're not trying to sell you our laundry soap versus somebody else's and for anybody out there who works in laundry soap I'm really sorry I don't mean to keep picking on that but we're not trying to sort of sell a commodity we're trying to get people excited about something that at some level they're already passionate about and we're just trying to knock down a barrier and say this is possible on the other side of that coin when we go out to our donors and our supporters. Um, it seems like we have such a good base, a strong base of such goodwill in their minds that um, that they put a lot of trust in us. And when we go to when we go to them with an idea like this, uh, you know, we're not necessarily sort of crawling up on our hands and knees begging, you know, please, sir, may I have some more? It's you know, we have this idea, and you you've trusted us in the past. You understand who we are. You see our track record of successes with young eagles. Um, would you agree that that when you do have when you do go out and have these conversations, you're starting from a from maybe a a, a comfortable and strong, happy happy starting point? I <laughs> sure. guess a happy yeah. place. Uh, I, I think, as it's pointed out in the article, um, none of these projects ever are all us, meaning EAA, saying here's exactly what we want to do, uh, take it or leave it. Uh, uh, it, these are iterative conversations with donors throughout throughout the years who, when you're having conversations with them, uh, they may say, hey, I, I think uh, uh, EAA would benefit from something like this, or I was someplace else and I saw this, and wouldn't that be great if we could do it uh, for our, our community? The way we do it, you are right, that we've got over 50 years of uh, experiences with, with many people of, of success and of trust. And uh, uh, so when, they, when we come and then start to talk about uh, increasing your commitment to EAA, to our mission, uh, that's, that's an easy conversation to have. And, and, it's, and it's always an honest conversation. Uh, you, you, we're just presenting what we want to do, what we think we can do, uh, what the outcomes are going to be if we can do this. And uh, uh, luckily, uh, we have a track record of success that people can see if we say we're going to do something, we're going to do it, and we're going to do it right. And both today, you know, both the projects that we talked about today, uh, Aero Educate and Project 21, just continue to further our impact on the industry and on, and on our membership. 
Well, it's really been exciting to uh, to learn a bit more about both of these projects. Obviously, as an employee in here, I've I've had some insight to them, but I've I've learned quite a bit about about what we're doing. And I, it's always exciting for us, uh, for me, I'd rather to see us as an organization, uh, you know, do more with youth, do more with youth to get uh, get them excited, get them engaged, and uh, between these two. Between these two projects, we're really, really shoring up, and as we said earlier, filling in the gaps uh, in some of our youth outreach, and also with the proficiency piece of Project 21, we're we're potentially establishing a, a lifelong relationship with, I, you know, Rick, I gave you that hypothetical where we see this kindergartner in a, in a couple of years uh, go all the way through all of these things and come out the other end with a job, and then now I see that same person might be coming back here. Maybe they're coming in and, and uh, you know, volunteering for a week as an instructor at project 21 or coming back to stay proficient uh, and things like that. Uh, very exciting for me. Uh, and I, I'm sure for everybody out there listening to see us renewing that commitment uh, to, to keeping that, uh, that aviation pipeline and that funnel full from start to finish. Exactly. Yep. So, all right. Well, I can see that we've gone. Uh, we've we've had a good meaty long episode here, but uh, all good things must uh, must wrap up eventually. So, so number one, thank you both for taking the time to to sit in and help. Uh, I almost said help Arrow educate everybody about these things. Help uh, tell everybody about uh, about these exciting projects we're working on. It's always nice to let uh, let listeners know what we're up to and let the membership know that we're uh, we're always moving forward. You know, one of the you, you talked about people who don't live in Oshkosh year round. One of the questions that we always get uh, if you're here and you're on staff and you go into a grocery store with an EAA shirt on, people say, Oh, do you work there? I say, Yeah, well, what do you do the other 51 weeks a year? Well, have a seat. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. we've got magazines, we've got a museum, we've got this, we've got that, and now two more exciting new programs to add to the mix. So, uh, with that, just as we're wrapping up, I do want to say that uh, uh, about the time that this episode is uh, is released, uh, we're just a few days shy of the uh, unbelievable third anniversary of uh, of the Green Dot, of our very first episode uh, that was back in uh, uh, on March 15th of 2017. Uh, it's amazing to me to think that three years has gone by. And uh, as I have said uh, so many times, as all of the, uh, the various hosts have said, uh, we can't do it without those people that are listening, and uh, especially without those people who take the time to uh, to send us some feedback and give us some encouragement along the way. And periodically, as we as we wrap up, I like to uh, acknowledge some people who've uh, recently shared some comments with us. I wish I could do uh, a personal shout out to everybody, but I've got to say uh, hello to Paul Hollingworth, who sent uh, a very nice message. And Paul, I want you to know that you have a very nice voice too. And uh, on iTunes, we got a couple of uh, a couple of great recent reviews from uh, our. Uh, let's, I'll get this right. It's uh, a bright KR. It might be our bright KR and fly JBH. So uh, the two of you taking the time to drop by iTunes, leave us a a good review, and keep that uh, keep that five star record going. Uh, absolutely means the world to us. We, you know, we are the Experimental Aircraft Association, and this podcast was a pure was was nothing but an experiment when we first kicked it off. And the the only reason we do it is because people respond to it and take the time to let us know that it's something that uh, that they enjoy and appreciate. So our thanks ongoing for that. And with all of that, uh, keep the feedback coming. Feedback at ea.org. Comments on the blog, inspired.ea.org, or reviews on iTunes, or wherever you digest your podcasts. Please keep that up, and we'll catch up to you next time when you're cleared to land on the Green Dot. <laughs>